I tell you, Jesus can work it out, can't he? Amen. If it can't, if, if it can't be worked out, if Jesus can't work, that, work it out, it does not need to be worked out. It? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, as we come tonight, we greet you in the name of Jesus to Christ. I can't tell you how excited I am. I've been telling you from Sunday up to now how excited I am to be in the house of the Lord. In fact, I was just thinking this morning, I said, you know, Harry, it's nice when somebody invites you and feel that you got something to say and invites you to come and to do a revival. I mean, that's a real honor, isn't it? Amen. I praise the Lord. Uh, because there was a time when I just didn't have a lot of confidence in my preaching or myself. And and I used to feel so bad and I I I always had a little speech impediment that make you feel kind of bad and then I had the southern draw. Praise the Lord. Had a esteem problem, self-esteem problem coming from a little small church home uh, coming from a small town. And, and you know how we country folks can feel so inferior at times. And, and, and then see where God has taken me over the years. Every now and then I just have to pinch myself and say, is this really happening? And to praise the Lord. So this is one of these weeks when I'm pinching myself and saying, you mean to tell me I got the opportunity to come to a Baptist church? to preach not only a Sunday morning service but a, a three night revival Lord thank you Jesus and then to be hosted by two very dear wonderful friends I tell you I was just thinking today my wife and I have been talking to everybody my prayer partners everybody who will listen to me um, about Dr. Pickett and Dr. Kathy Pickett. I've been telling them about how the Lord is blessing them. I've been talking about their prayer spirit, their wonderful, outstanding leadership. And then I go on to tell them about good hope and the wonderful people. That's a lot. I got to be careful how I say, talk about you all in front of the Alabama folks. I said, Lord, these are some of the nicest folks I have seen. Now, Alabama folks are nice, too. And we praise the Lord for them. But I happen to be in Gordonsville this week. Praise the Lord. And I thank God for the privilege. And then I'm so glad for the deacons, for this wonderful, these wonderful ministerial staff people. I praise the Lord for each of them, for their kindness, and then the choir. I told somebody those are the singingest people. Thank y'all so very much. This gifted musician, all the musicians have been so gifted, the deaconesses, the trustees, all of the missionaries, all of the people who have leadership in this church. We praise God for your kindness and all the ushers, the sound technicians, whatever you've done to make us feel comfortable. Um, I mean, I wanted to try to ship some of the fruit back and the bottles of water and um, all of the kindness. I, I wanted to, I made sure I had to get the recipe from Dr. Kathy, how to cook lamb. Amen. God is so good. And I can't go, oh, my wife shouldn't have heard that because 
I've been telling her she has the best lamb that anybody would ever want. But we praise the Lord. Um, as we come tonight, um, I just ask the interest of your prayers that God will bless this night. That he will use us. When you have been preaching for 42 years, you really have to pray about what to preach on. Because you got a thousand sermons that you could preach. And I came from a church where I was preaching three times a Sunday for 15 years. We had one church in two locations, one service at 745, another one at 10, and another one at 11. And so you know I got a lot of sermons over the years. But I always try to focus on what the Spirit of God will lead us to do. So I also want to thank God for my brother, the Reverend, soon to be Dr. Ronnie Clark. Now, I praise the Lord for this brother because you never forget people who help you got where you are. And, and, and this brother invited me to Hearst Chapel while I was campaigning to become a bishop and supported me, Amen. preached me there, gave me a nice contribution for my campaign, then turned around and put the whole Florida delegation behind me, told me, don't you worry. You got Florida. And, I, and he did it with authority. He spoke it with power. He said, I know what I'm talking about. I'm engineering it for them to support you. And so I'll never forget him. And I want you to pray much for him because he's going to be running for Bishop in 2024. And praise the Lord. I'm going to do everything I can to return the kindness. Amen. That's how we get where we get. You got to help somebody else get where they want to go so that when you want to get there, you'll have somebody to help you. Hallelujah. Amen. Learn how to rejoice for somebody else and help their dreams become true. And you'll See how amazing it becomes when God helps your dreams to unfulfill. Now, if you sure enough want your vision to blow up, support God's vision. If you want your life to explore, start following the leadership of your church and supporting the vision of your church and watch if God won't blow your life up in the midst of it so that you will be a blessing for the vision. Praise the Lord. At Union Bethel when we were trying to build a community family life center I used to tell the people go ahead and contribute and then see yourself in the vision. See yourself. When we were trying to build the church I used to stand up in the pulpit and look at the trees that stood where the church is now standing. And say, now see yourself walking in the church. Single, see yourself up in the choir. See yourself at the usher's door and ushering people in and walking down the long aisle and doing the things that you want to do in the kingdom. See yourself expanding the ministry 
And I tell you, my brothers and sisters, it happened. I even prayed, Lord, please don't let none of the older folks who support the vision die before the vision unfolds. And you know the Lord heard our prayer? I mean, all the people who had been in the church for over 50, 60 years got the opportunity to march into the new sanctuary. Boy, that was a glorious day. Praise the Lord. And I had to tell him, I had to tell him, I said, the Lord knew that you needed a larger church for your funeral to be held. Some of them had so many large families. But God is good, but not just that, but their crown is up in glory. Let us now pray. Father, in your name, we come tonight to say, tell you, thank you. Jesus, as we come now, Lord, we thank you for Good Hope Church. Thank you for this great church, not just because of the beauty of it, but because of the spirit of the people. Thank you for an anointed pastor and an anointed wife to the pastor. Thank you, God, for anointed leadership in the forms of deacons and deaconesses, trustees and missionaries and choir members and ushers and and membership that loves God. Lord, please bless tonight. You know how much we need you. So Lord Jesus, we haven't come for form of fashion, but we come because you're a good God. Have your way tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to call your attention to the book of Acts. The fifth chapter, I'm sorry, the twelfth chapter. And I want to read the fifth verse of the twelfth chapter. Peter was therefore kept in prison, the New King James Version. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Then I want to go down to the twelfth verse. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary the mother of John, whose sure name was Mark, where many were together praying. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate. A girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. When they said to her, you are beside yourself, yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I want to use as a thought tonight, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. I could call this sermon a prayer meeting at Sister Mary's house. I could call this sermon topic is too good to be true. Has God just absolutely ever surprised you? Has he, you ever had an overtaken blessing? I love Deuteronomy 28 that says, if you be obedient unto God and hearken unto his voice, And these blessings shall overtake you. 
You shall be blessed in your going and in your coming in the city and in the country. And it goes on and on to talk about the blessings of obedience. But I love that and these blessings shall overtake you. You ever had overtaking blessings? I mean, this is an overtaking blessing for me this week. To be alive and able to preach and to be in Gordonsville is an overtaking blessing. I I have received so much in life. Uh, We were talking about some of the hard times we have had over lunch the other day. We all come from humble beginnings. We all have come a long ways. I mean, I grew up, I was telling them growing up in the South, segregated South, sharecropper, child. I mean, one step really above slavery. Losing my father at five years of age and being the youngest of seven children. A mother who had a ninth grade education and a father who left her at age 45 with a $500 life insurance. Which the funeral ran a cost $500. Three months later, because he was deceased and could no longer farm the property. She was told to get off the land. Here she was with seven children trying to find a place to live. And how we lived in dilapidated houses, a total of six houses in eight years. From place to place, around the same little town. No house had indoor plumbing. Hardly had electric lights. And no running water. So I know what it is to have hard times. I remember learning that you could take water and flour mix it together and tore up magazines to put on the walls to keep the winter out, winter air out. I've done that. I know what it is to wear hand-me-down clothes, shop at the bargain store, and wear what was given to you. I know what it is to not have all that you want to eat. But I also know what it is to be grateful. Because even when all we had was a piece of fat back meat and some biscuits and some syrup, mama still said, tell God thank you. And y'all remember when all you had was your Sunday clothes and your through the week clothes. There was no such thing as playing in your Sunday clothes. 
because they were reserved for your church going. And through the week, you wore your jeans. Now what young people call fancy with jeans with the holes Those were our play clothes. After they had been patched so many times and the patches wore out, then they were eligible for us to put on when we got from school to play in. I know what it is, my brothers and sisters, to be overlooked and not called good enough. I know what it is to be laughed at and to have warrior in your shoes. But thank God I also know what it is to depend on God and to know that God was somewhere in the midst. Because I praise God for a praying mother who believed in taking us to church. And I thank God for that little church with that pot belly stove. No screens at the window. And bumblebees flying around. But we went there anyhow. And the folks there told us we were somebody. And they worked with us. And they told us, say your Easter speech. And, and, Say your children's day speech. And if you do a good job, come outside and we will give you a special plate. Or you could get an extra cup of lemonade because they wanted to encourage us. I remember Dr. Pickett, when I got ready to go to Benedict College, that my mama's women's missionary society got together and took up a little offering for me. And they gave me $2. But with the $2 came a lot of prayers. They said, baby, we don't have much to give you. But our prayers will be with you. And every time I would come home for the holidays, they would say, oh man, we're so proud of you. Keep up the good work. We're so proud that you're going to college. And we want to let you know that our prayers are with you. And even now, I go back home. And rather than going to some big church in Columbia, or going to another large church in Orangeburg, I make sure that I go back to Swansea, to my little home church. And I make sure that I never forget where I came from. When I became a bishop, Pastor Clark, I put on my purple robe and I made sure that I went down to the cemetery and I stood by my mama's and daddy's grave and made sure that I took a picture and I even placed it on Facebook that I don't want to forget the people who helped me got over. I don't want to forget the folks who prayed for me. And I went through the cemetery and I took a picture by my church school superintendent who sometimes it wasn't nobody but me and her daughter at church school. And the only reason they got there is because when I got my license, young folks, 
I love church so much. Rather than playing basketball on Sunday, I asked my mama, can I borrow the car so I can go pick up the Sunday school superintendent and her daughter and take them to church so we could have church school. So I took a picture by her grave. Then I went over to an aunt and took a picture by her grave. Because I remember how she encouraged me and would throw programs on to allow me to preach when I first started preaching. Then I went over to some others and took pictures by their graves. I said, I'm believing that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And that somehow they are now sitting in the back of them. And I want them to know that even though I got a purple robe now, and I got a new position. But I would not have gotten it if I had not had people like them praying for me. And encouraging my soul. So let me tell you something. That's why I'll never underestimate prayer. I'll never forget one time my mother visited me in D.C. And by that time I had gotten a job as a bookkeeper. And it required me to wear a suit to work. And my mother got off the bus and she told me, oh, Harry, you're looking good. And I said, well, mama, that's how I have to dress now to go to work. She said, ooh, and I said, I'm going to take you by the job where I work. But she said, now, let me ask you something, baby. She said, you won't be ashamed of me, will you? I said, ashamed of you? I said, Mama, I would never be ashamed of you because I wouldn't be where I am. You are the one that's praised for me. You're the one that allowed me to help me and got me where I am. When I wanted to throw in that tower, you told me I could make it. And therefore, I want everybody to know who my mama is. I want everybody to know where I came from. I want everybody to know if it had not been for God on my side, I wouldn't be where I am. And so my brothers and sisters, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to preach the word. In fact, I get joy out of telling folks that without Christ, I'm nothing. I'm weak. I'm lame. I'm a no good, wretched vessel but Lord because of Christ I'm everything that I need to be he has taken me some some high places but I'll never forget to give him glory I'll never forget how I got over I'll never forget the power of prayer and that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight prayer is perhaps one of our greatest resources And yet I found that it is probably the least resource that we use to do what we need to do. We treat God like a Santa Claus. We go to him when we want something. We go to him when we are in trouble. We treat him like he is some magician or something. That he can automatically work something. And some folks don't give God no time. Won't give God a tithe won't even give them a decent offering. And yet when they get in trouble, they want the church to gang up on God and try to force God to bless them. 
I want the prayers of the church to please pray for me. I want to come every Sunday now that I need God. I want to be up on the front row and I want everybody to stop what you're doing and remember me and myself in prayer. I'm all of a sudden and want the prayer list ministry. The intercessory prayer group to remember me as if we can all force God to do something against God's will. Well, I tell you, God answers prayers. But you got to be in line with the will of God in order for God to move in your life. You can't play with the devil and expect God to bless you. Praise the Lord. You got to make up your mind. Ain't none of us perfect. But God knows we ought to be trying every day to live a life for God and to do what God would have us to do. That's why I love the scripture to say that and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open for you. Let me tell you something. When you are wrapped up and tied up with God, it obligates God to bless you. I have never seen a prayer warrior fail yet. Now it might look like you are failing. It might look like you're going under. But God has a way of turning things around to bring you out on top every time. A prayer warrior, I want you, because God revealed that to me a few weeks ago. I was talking to someone and they were lamenting about what they were going through. I said, let me tell you something. I've served God long enough that I can tell you something. That you can take this to the bank. A person who prays will never fail. I can tell you a prayer warrior will never go under. Because it's all wrapped up in the promises of God. He said, if you abide in me, and my word abide in you. You shall ask what you want. And it shall be given unto you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Learn how to ask. And learn how to seek God. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. And all of his righteousness. And everything else will be added unto you. Let me, let me, let me give somebody something. This might help you. I used to be a worry what? Young folks, I used to worry. In fact, I had it worked out. If I had a good day today, tomorrow I'm going to have a bad day. I, I, that's how I had it. I had it. And so God, I had to pray about that thing. I said, Lord. Please help me to overcome my spirit of worry. And the Lord said, you want to overcome it? I said, yes, Lord. May the Lord talk like that. And, and I said, yes, Lord. He said, well, I tell you what. I want you to go. He led me to St. Matthew's, the sixth chapter, the 19 through 34 verses. And said, read this every day. Until I tell you to stop. Do you know when he told me to stop? 11 years later. 
Every day for 11 years, he had me to read St. Matthews, the sixth chapter, 19 through 34. Lay not up for yourselves treasures up in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doeth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. But, you know the rest of it. Don't be like the birds. Look at them and the lilies of the field. They don't work or toll. Here you are much more value than they. You just seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and everything else will be yours. And brothers and sisters, after the end of 11 years, everything I want started coming to me. I had better sleep nice. I had a contented spirit. I had a problem with disobedience. I just didn't feel I was being obedient enough. And so the Lord said, do you want obedience? Go to Deuteronomy 28 and read 1 through 14. And I end up reading that every day for nine years. That's why I love it so much. And these blessings shall overtake you. And your enemies who rise up against you in one way will flee before you in seven ways. He just kept on ministry. And then, Pastor, as I grew in ministry, I got hooked up with Ephesians 3.20. Hallelujah. And now that has become a life scripture. In fact, it was my 20th anniversary scripture. And now that I'm becoming, in a few months, president of the Bishop's Council of the International African Methodist Episcopal Church, my theme scripture is Ephesians 3.20. Now, under him, you already got it. That's why you blessed. Your pastor gave it to you. All things now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you as a thing. This is the part I like. According to the power that works in you, release your faith. Watch God blow your mind. Release it. You got the power. Believe God. Thank you, Lord. So why you think all I've been through, I'm still preaching. And I'm still believing. I was telling Pastor and, 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 and Dr. Kathy, see, this heart situation wasn't the first time I've been through this. 22 years ago, I was walking the streets of Philadelphia and I suffered a massive heart attack. Should have died right there. But when they went, when I went, rushed to the hospital, they said there's still no damage to your heart. And they did an x-ray. And they said the reason you did not die is because you've been blessed with three man arteries. And most folks have two. So the pressure that should have killed you 
was sustained by the third artery. The doctor says, in fact, I got to draw you a picture to show you how your heart looks with three man arteries. The man one was blocked 90%. But I got to show you how the other two sustain. And therefore, that's why you didn't die. But that wasn't all. Then I went to the hospital to have the man artery unblocked. And while the surgeon was doing the unblocking of the man artery, he punctured it. And normally when your artery is punctured, you drown in your blood. They worked on me for six hours trying to get the blood to stop. And after a while, all of a sudden, it just stopped. And here I was in intensive care. But I still preaching. And then, four months later, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I was out walking. And one morning, I was walking. And all of a sudden, the pains ripped through my chest. Here I was in the middle of my neighborhood, away from my home. But I tell you, I pressed on anyhow. And I came to a certain distance. And I saw a little girl sitting on a step. I said, well, I'm going to have her to go in the house and call paramedics. But when I got to her, she disappeared. I went on home, took a shower, drove myself to the doctor. And got in the doctor's office and they examined me. They rushed me to the hospital. And lo and behold, they unblocked the blockage where the stent had blocked off. So then I had six more months of recuperation. But this time, I was three days from my graduation from Howard with my doctorate degree. And here I was on a Wednesday having another episode and graduation was that Saturday. But a preacher had come to the church in a revival and says, Harry shall march in May. I said, it's been prophesied that I'm a march. And I worked for my degree. I picked up my gown. I did my defense. I did everything that needed to be done. And I said, I'm a march on Saturday. They said, it's impossible. I said, not the God I serve. They said, but you don't understand, sir. They said, you are bleeding, and we can't let you out as long as you're bleeding. I said, do what you got to do, but I'm going to march on Saturday. And praise God. Hallelujah. I was able about 6 o'clock that Friday. All of a sudden, the blood stopped. Just out of nowhere. They say, well, it's not bleeding anymore. But if you can just lay here for one more hour and it does not bleed anymore, you can leave and go home and take it easy. I said, well, I'm getting ready to go. I'm going to lay here. And sure enough, that Friday evening, around 7 o'clock, I left that hospital. I was in a wheelchair. But I told Sharita, get the car ready. Because on Saturday morning, I'm going up to Howard. And I'm going to march across that stage. And on that Saturday, they put me in a wheelchair. 
and they got me to the stage of God helped me up the steps. One of my officers, I said, I'm good now. Let me just now walk across the stage. And when they called Harry C. Wright's name, I strutted across that stage, got my degree, went back to the wheelchair. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, for 22 years, I campaigned, went to Africa about five or six times, traveled the world, did three and four cities a week, and for 22 years, I never had another problem. Until the last time. You can't tell me what prayer won't do. Hallelujah. I've always been a prayer person. I'm like your pastor. We have been through, through too much. And we got too much to do not to pray. I've seen the church unfold. Because of prayer meetings. I've had more prayer meetings than any other meeting in the church. Every Wednesday we had prayer meeting. Saturday evenings we had intercessory prayer. On some mornings we would gather together before the service and have prayer. Then I did a prayer line. In the midst of all I had going on, we had a prayer line six days a week every morning at 6 o'clock a.m. And ended up having two to three hundred people on the prayer line every morning. Every morning I woke up at 645, six days a week, picked out a scripture, expound on the scripture, and led people in prayer. But let me tell you, my testimony is, those were the best six years of my 30 years at Union Bethel Church. I saw my enemies become friends. I saw God open doors that we never thought would open. I saw people healed from stage four cancer. I saw people walking up and putting 14 and 15 and $16,000 on the altar. I saw God working the miraculous. I saw God doing some things that blew my mind. I just stopped by to tell you, he will do it if you trust him. The devil thought he was hurting the church when he locked Peter up. He didn't know he was just making the folks more powerful. I tell anybody if you got trouble in your church, call a prayer meeting. Don't call no business meeting. And don't worry about who comes and who won't. All it takes is two or three gathered together in the name of Jesus. I tell you, I've never allowed my children to go out the house without prayer. My wife and I prayed. We still pray. Even when we are mad, we pray. When we don't like each other, we pray. And the Lord has kept us and blessed us. When the enemy came in my house, tried to destroy my children, I told him, as for me and my house, we are going to serve God. 